0: Hello, and welcome to episode two of season two of Who the Hell is Norfolk? This is, of course, the companion podcast to the far better researched history of England by my father, the one and only Mr. David Beeson. How are you doing?
1: I'm fine, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Thank you.
0: So, um, in this episode, we'll be covering actually the next couple of episodes, I think, uh, of your podcast, which uh, go further on with uh, James the First and Six of Scotland uh, reign. Uh, it deals particularly with his marriage and his children, and possibly other aspects of his uh, personal life. So, my quick summary will be: He marries Anne of Denmark, correct? Who is uh, through whom he has that connection to the guy we talked about last episode, who was uh, a prince of some Germanic place. <laughs> what he fought on everything, Frederick. Yes, Frederick, Frederick
1: V of the uh, of the Palatinate.
0: Right, or the Palatinate—that was the name. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's Anna of Denmark, with whom uh, James has two or well, three children: two sons, one daughter. Right.
1: That's correct. Uh,
0: the elder son is called Henry. He would have been Henry the Ninth if he would survived long enough to get on the throne. And then there's Ch- Charles, who will become Charles the First.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Yeah, and his daughter is named Elizabeth, and it is an example of brown nosing. To yeah, the previous, and she Elizabeth.
1: came in between the two of them. Yeah. Right. She was older than Charles, younger than Henry. Henry. Uh, and she, as you say, she married, uh, well, yeah, James married her to uh, Frederick V of the Palatinate, and he actually became king of Bohemia, but was uh, quickly deposed. Uh, so she became known as the Winter Queen because she was queen of Bohemia for just a oh. winter.
0: Sounds very fantasy-like.
1: Yeah, yeah. The actions in Bohemia led to the outbreak of the Thirty Years' War, and that led to Spanish troops coming down from the Netherlands, which, as you remember, was Spanish then, and kicking him out of the Palatinate.
0: Okay, yeah. So so that's basically what we covered in the last episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, as part of this whole big amour with the Thirty Years' War, uh, there's this issue of James wanting to go to war to, do, to defend his son-in-law's territory. But at the same time, trying to marry off first his elder son, and then as soon as the elder son died, thought, well, you know, that's why we have a spare. Then tried to marry off Charles to uh, Maria Anna, a, uh, some, a member of the Spanish royal family.
1: Yes. Uh, I think she was a sister of the king, if I remember.
0: And it seems quite clear that the Spaniards never had any real intention of having this marriage go through. They just wanted to keep the English sort of on a, you know, on the hook for this potential marriage so that they wouldn't engage in this war. And they seem to be more or less have been successful with that.
1: Yeah, they kept them out for a long time. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So it was Philip Fourth, by the way, who was uh, her brother. And yeah, uh, he was the guy who, I mean, I think you could probably reasonably say that he rather outmaneuvered James by dangling this marriage, as you say, which I think uh, Maria Anna certainly had absolutely no intention of engaging in. Now, obviously, the woman in those days in a royal family, in particular, uh, her say and it would have been somewhat limited. But uh, you know, I don't think Philip. She wasn't was interested either. Keen on it either. No, exactly, right.
0: exactly. Yeah. Okay. Also, oh, Philip the Fourth of Spain. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's yes. right.
1: They were both children of Philip the Third of
0: Spain. Right. So we have this story with James and Anna of Denmark, and a few kids, successful. At first, they seem to get on, but by the end, they're living separately and holding separate courts. And then we have Charles, who for some reason gets it in his head that this is a romantic story, even though he's never actually met uh, Maria Anna. Quite. And goes on this ridiculous adventure to, I don't know, uh, woo her in Madrid. Uh, And it all seems very silly.
1: Uh, I mean, it's a crazy thing. In fact, they called it the Voyage mm-hmm. of the Knights Adventurers, uh, which was, you know, a way of sort of making it sound a little grander than it really was. But it was a crazy notion. Uh, you know, you don't, uh, when you are, uh, I think uh, George Villiers, who later became Duke of Buckingham, was Lord High Admiral or something, a very senior position in the British government. And of course, uh, Charles was the heir to the throne and you know, disappearing abroad without any official notification that you're going to do this without any kind of proper... I mean, they had people with them, of course. They didn't go on their own. Mm. Uh, but, you know, they weren't properly guarded or anything like that. They were travelling incognito. They they were very original thinkers with a great imagination. <laughs> so they called themselves John and Thomas Smith. Uh oh, and very, frankly, very convincing. Yeah. The disguise didn't really work even in England. They were... Uh, <laughs> Recognized in England. I mean, apart from anything else, they had you know very high denomination coins in their pockets. You know, an ordinary traveler yeah, yeah. probably wouldn't have that kind of wealth. And people started suspecting that they were up to no good. They were denounced. Uh, you know, eventually uh, Villiers had to uh, reveal his identity. Take off. I don't know if he was wearing a mask. whatever anyway, he had to reveal who he was to get past people who were trying to hold him up. And then they traveled across to the continent, uh, getting very seasick on the way, and um, traveled down to Paris first of all.
0: right. And and you, you mentioned you mentioned in the episode that they immediately see through him, like uh, yeah, what, what happened in Paris?
1: Well, what happened in Paris is that uh, just outside Paris, apparently a bunch of German tourists recognized them or thought they recognized them. <laughs> and uh, uh, a member of the group said, no, 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 it's not them. Don't, no, 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 don't be silly. Of course, it's not them. And they they, they felt that yeah, they'd reasonably successfully talked their way out of uh, out of difficulty. But then they uh, uh, went on to uh, Paris, and and what they did in response to having been spotted that time is that they uh, they got themselves some wigs, some better wigs, uh, <laughs> so that they yes, quite. <laughs> I
0: and mean, it makes you think that maybe Charles was like as entitled as his father, just as his father thought he was, you know, appointed by God and. More intellectual and superior to everybody in England. Maybe Charles thought he he felt the same about the the world. He thought he could get away with this and nobody would notice. Like he he underestimated everybody so much. Yeah, he thought a couple of Whigs would do the trick.
1: Well, absolutely. Yes, I think that's right. I think uh, 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 he, he he did think that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, yes. Uh, he was like a teenager today or young you know adult. With too much money in his pocket from his dad, yeah, and you know, uh, a powerful car, and uh, thoroughly entitled, or thinking himself thoroughly entitled to whatever he wanted whenever he wanted it. And and mm. that's what she did. She you know that's what they did, and he, he in particular did. Uh, they cleared off and just thought that all doors would open to them, and whatever they wanted to do, they would get away with. Uh, and for instance, you know that they could visit the court of France was that's what they did. I mean, they while they were in Paris, they stayed a few days, and while they were there, they actually went to court, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in disguise. You know, Presented themselves a,
0: still as Smith. Yeah, 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 absolutely, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and indeed, um, people. Uh, Did begin to suspect them Um, while they were there. By the way, I mean it's all sort of uh, just a nice little more details of the background to all this. Uh, The king of France at the time, who was I believe Louis the Thirteenth, so the son of the great Henry the Fourth, yeah, had married uh, the uh, sister of the very woman that. Charles was planning on going off and marrying his, uh, yeah. Mariana. Yeah? Uh, so he saw her elder sister and um, thought, oh, wow, she's pretty. I bet you the sister's even the sister better than bear. I thought she was. <laughs> so he was uh, very impressed by her. But funnily enough, he almost certainly also saw there uh, the daughter of, uh, of Henry IV, uh, Henrietta Maria, who I think at that time was quite young. I I think she was only 13 or something. But she would be his future wife, as it happens. And there is absolutely no mm. record of his being impressed by her at all. So uh, <laughs> oh, possibly, he yeah, saw the sister of the woman he wanted to marry wanted and to thought, get, wow. Yeah. Uh, but he also saw the woman, or at that time, girl, that he would later would become, marry and yeah. was unimpressed. So, oh dear, yeah, oh apparently the English ambassador in Paris, a guy called Lord Herbert, I mean, they must have been making contact with people because Lord Herbert spoke to them. So, you know, they, they presumably let him know that, that who they were and that they were there. And apparently he said to them, you know, get the hell out of here and get the hell out of here fast. Don't hang around. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, because you mentioned they were in and, danger of being arrested as spies. Well,
1: yes. I mean, Louis Thirteenth, when you know, people told him, look, you know, these two characters... They're not who you think they are. There are, uh, you know, we think they may be George Villiers and uh, and and uh, Prince Charles. Yes,
0: yeah, so I suppose the hidden identities does uh, invite suspicion.
1: Yeah, uh, they thought that they might be spying, so I thought, "Well, let's arrest the buggers." Sorry, uh, let's arrest <laughs> yeah. the two these two bright young sparks. And yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the ambassador had said, "You know, go," and they'd gone, so uh, yeah. they got out before they could be arrested.
0: And so they turn they turn up in in Madrid. And they start creeping on this poor princess. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, it has... Well, A, she seems to continue being unimpressed by the guy. And then they keep giving him more and more ridiculous terms for the marriage. And he agrees to the lot.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, he he was uh, not very able as a negotiator. But, you know... Probably there was nothing you could do about that anyway because you know they weren't negotiating. They weren't interested. Yeah, there was never their intention. Yeah, yeah, there was never intention that they should marry. They just wanted to spin things out, and he, you know, he let them spin them out. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, he did do this particularly stupid, very stalky troll-like thing that he discovered that uh, she was going to be in her little garden. She had a garden, which was walled, yeah, Yeah. Um, where she liked to go out and walk from time to time. Did he
0: uh, flutter over the walls of love's light wings?
1: Yes, or possibly just scrambled. I don't know. One or the other. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, he got over the wall and into her garden to take a look at her. and uh, I think he was probably surprised to discover that this didn't impress her very much either, or well, it did impress her, but not positively uh you know, and she ran away right. uh, and you know, most upset that he should behave this way and, you know as, as any young woman in our time would as well you know if she of course, was yeah yeah hoping to be private, and this guy who kept you know pestering her jumped over a wall to come into her private place. Uh, she'd be most well, yeah, upset. yeah,
0: he's, he's, he's a he's a classic incel. You know, I think that the, absolutely, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the defining tra- trait of incels is that they all think that they're highly intelligent and prized specimens, and women are too foolish to realise that. Yes, and uh, he had a similar uh, He was wrong. Yes,
1: <laughs> she was also highly devout. She was a very devout Catholic. Catholic. Yeah, uh, and problematic was,
0: when yeah, when, she, when when Charles's father wants to go into war to defend a Protestant king against these Catholics it, yeah the whole thing strikes me as ridiculous yeah
1: well I, I think James's thinking was that if his son married the sister of the king of Spain uh, he might be able to persuade the king of Spain to yeah, pull to back the territories. out yeah, of the, yeah, um, the palaces and give it back that was the idea without going to war because he wasn't getting any money to go to war anyway so uh, yeah, parliament yeah was, because anyway. as we talked
0: about in the previous episode he was so useless at dealing with parliament
1: yes and you know they mistrusted him they thought you know yeah. Look, if you want a war with Spain, we'll have a war with Spain. Yeah, you know, we're very happy with that because we made a lot of money from the last one. Uh, you know, uh seizing Spanish ships and things. It was all wonderful. Uh so we'll happily do that, but if you're going to, you know, be pursuing a a, a, a Spanish match at the same time, we don't really believe you. So no, we're not yeah. financing it.
0: And then when Charles realized that this was never going to happen, he go he went back to England and the people seemed to love him for it. Yes, I think there was probably some relief
1: that he was back.
0: Yeah, I suppose But also so, yeah.
1: I wouldn't be at all surprised if people thought that it was somewhat romantic. You know, the, the voyage of the night's adventures, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, I guess so. Yeah. I, mean,
0: yeah. it, I mean, it is quite adventurous of them, you know, the secret identities, the, you know, we, we don't play by their rules, you know, that kind of stuff. People still love that kind of crap today, so I suppose. Yes, I'm sure sense. they do.
1: But, I mean, it yeah. would be a bit like, you know... Hunter Biden going to Moscow now to, uh, <laughs> to try to win the the hand of one of Putin's relatives. If,
0: yeah? if Hunter Biden actually held a political position or was due to, uh, I mean <laughs> Charles yes, was okay. supposedly no, it wasn't the a very good it wasn't throat. a very good
1: example, but but
0: you, you can imagine
1: the the level of treachery, yeah. acute embarrassment that yeah. it would cause, and the way he would put himself. In, I mean, perhaps Putin is such a good example because there's actually a war r- raging, which uh, you know, Spain. Well, no, of course, Spain was at war. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's a bit like that. It really is a bit like that. You know, the the idea that you put yourself in the power of a foreign and possibly hostile state uh, in time of war. you know, Yes, it may be romantic and exciting, and. Uh, the kind of thing we all love in films uh but it's
0: not smart diplomacy or yeah.
1: smart politics
0: all this happened this happened after the gunpowder plot right oh god
1: yes long time after yeah we're talking i seem to remember that the uh, the spanish match was something like 1623 or something uh and uh the gunpowder plot was 1605 so we're talking a, a long time before
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, the the Gunpowder Plot, as listeners may well be aware, was a, uh, a conspiracy by a group of Catholics who wanted to blow up the Houses of Parliament while King James was inside. Uh, the most famous being Guy Fawkes, he of the mask from the V from Vendetta comic books. And yes, yes, I suppose it's we're not to be surprised that there's all kinds of conspiracy theories around it, that potentially, well, it's a conspiracy. You you you, you yeah. Well, <laughs> you, yeah. Well, it, no, but I mean, beyond that, the idea you were suggesting in your episode that. The government knew full well what was about to happen, and maybe even egged them on a bit because they wanted to justify anti-Catholic actions. Well,
1: it's not entirely proven that that was the case. I think... you,
0: you suggest this? It strikes you as giving them too much, more confidence than they, sorry, competence than they due. Yes, I agree. Uh, uh, I
1: think that's right. I mean, that's my view. Uh, but I think they knew about it beforehand. I think they, sure, they had broken the the ring.
0: Yeah, before like there was a there was a period between them knowing about it and, and actually arresting everybody. Yes, but I mean, like were people how long before people started cons- thinking that the government had maybe even orchestrated the thing? Is is this a modern theory, or are the people at the time wondering that?
1: Uh, I yes, I don't know when it started, when that, that that idea started, but you know you can imagine. I mean, uh, there's nothing new about conspiracy theories.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, this what's funny about the, that that suggestion is this is Alex Jones level stuff. This is you know the claim that the Gunpowder Plot was a false flag operation by the government to justify their political needs. It's like yeah, the the these ideas are none of these ideas are new.
1: No, none of them are, and you know I think uh, back then and today we uh attribute far too much uh intelligence and you know uh competence as you said to use the word you used uh to people in power I mean you know, the kind of people who go off uh you know without announcing their trip to an uninvited to Madrid uh you know, a potentially hostile nation in yeah. Yeah, well, ob- obviously George ups. Villiers
0: and 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 Charles are, are, are not part of the deep state it's the deep state that is you know controlling all of this and controlling the narrative yes, clearly yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. we need to get down to the interesting stuff of all this because what we failed to mention in the last episode of of one of James the intellectual pursuits was perhaps what he's best known for which is the the King James Bible this is the king that When people refer to the King James Bible, it's this King James that we're talking about.
1: It is this King James, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they call it often the authorised version because he authorised a translation of the Bible. Yeah, that's quite interesting because there hadn't been that many translations. You'll remember that it was a Protestant thing. For a while, I mean,
0: uh, uh, in Henry VIII's time, it would have been a hanging offence to translate the Bible. Yeah, well, a burning offence even, yes. Burning,
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) he actually organised the... uh, the assassination in the Low Countries of uh, uh, was it Tyndale, wasn't it? It was William Tyndale, wasn't it? Who, who who'd done a translation, yes.
0: yeah, yeah. I remember that from Wolf Hall, yep. But by the time
1: James came, I mean, uh, there were probably, I don't know off, off the top of my head, but I'm pretty certain there must have been translations, there probably translations yes. before. But he,
0: this is the one that he himself said, okay, this is the official version of the Bible, at least in yes. English,
1: and uh, uh, you know, he had some excellent scholars working on it and as a scholar himself uh, i'm sure you know he was involved in the project yeah uh, so yes in many ways it's, it, it's his monument yeah
0: but uh, talking about burning offenses under henry the eighth yeah in 1533 he and thomas cromwell pushed through the buggery act yeah which uh punishes the detestable and abominable vice of buggery committed with mankind or beasts so at least you know they take animal welfare yeah. equally seriously uh, and you make the claim in your episode uh, that James I was almost certainly gay, or at least had several homosexual relationships, in particular with George Villiers, the Duke of Buckingham? What, uh, what was his title? Oh, uh, uh,
1: I, I think he's, he, he, he made him various things of Buckingham. I think he might have been Marquis or whatever, and right, then eventually right. Duke. Right. And this was unusual because most Dukes were uh members of the royal family in fact i think actually he was probably the only duke who was not a member of the royal family oh gosh
0: family. yeah so they clear favoritism oh absolutely yeah. some some yeah my question is is how well, what is the consensus on james's homosexuality
1: well i think it, you know, most people agree that he uh, undoubtedly was gay um by the way, it was buggery that was illegal, but not homosexuality itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's that only became illegal in the 19th century. This is yeah. that
0: classic. This is that classic thing of, uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. So yeah, you can be gay or you yeah, want, that, but don't act on it, or we will destroy you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or at least, well, don't don't go that far. I yes. think there's other things you can do, but not oh, that. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's not as though Villiers was his first. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, not the first he made a duke. Uh, oh God. He undoubtedly had an affair. or Sorry, it seems to me undoubted that he had an affair with a guy called Esme Stuart mm-hmm. up in Scotland. And he made him Duke of Lennox, which right. was not only the only duke not in the royal family, he was actually the only duke in Scotland. In Scotland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and people got so fed up with this. I mean, you know, I think you know, there was no doubt in their minds what he was up to. Uh, that they actually abducted James. I mean, not not uh, Esme. Uh, I think Esme probably did have a sticky, came to a sticky end as well, I can't remember. But they actually abducted James and locked him up for a year and eight months oh, wow. to separate them, yeah? And then when he came to England uh, before Villiers, there was another favourite, you can hear the quotes yeah, 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 around yeah. the word "favorite," there, can't you? A guy called Robert Carr, uh-huh. and again, he promoted him to all sorts of senior positions, and he made him not a duke this time, but an earl, Earl of Somerset. Uh, he was pretty bloody hopeless uh, in these senior positions. I mean, at least Villiers—you can question a lot of his judgments, but you know, at least he knew, you know, how to be a ruler. Yeah, right. Uh, but Carr apparently was pretty pretty hopeless. Um, yeah, this is
0: like the worst kind of nepotism. It really is sleeping your way to yeah, the top. Yeah, absolutely, and, yeah.
1: absolutely. Well, the really funny thing is that Carr had a lover himself, oh, a guy called Thomas Overbury, uh, who he appointed as his assistant. Oh. Now, Overbury was actually not that incompetent. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so he was basically running things while uh, well,
0: Carr had you know, got to run around. Carr had the yeah.
1: you know, uh, and had all the honor and so forth. Yeah, mm. but James got really jealous about this and had Overbury thrown into the tower oh, uh, where he died. And later, people discovered that what he died of was poison. Oh gosh! Uh,
0: <laughs> hell hath no fury.
1: Absolutely. And then, well, what they then did is that they they decided to they, they actually convicted Carr, yeah, oh, so God. Overbury's lover. <laughs> they they they, they uh, uh, convicted him and his wife. Um, oh, poor. Woman. So you know, Carr had a wife. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, James yeah. had. Well, a they wife, all yeah yeah. So, you know, they all had wives. Yeah. Um, so they convicted. Carr and his wife, who, you'll be interested to know, was another Howard. Oh, gosh. So we're back to the... No escaping Who the people. hell is Norfolk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like the Duke of Norfolk, she was a member of the Howard family, Francis Howard. Uh-huh. And so they convicted those two, and four other people, of the murder of Overbury.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, it's so convoluted.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then... Here's the, you know, the wonderful thing which really shows, you know, the egalitarian approach of England under James I at the time. Uh, the They actually carried out the executions on the four commoners, yeah. the other four, but the, the car and his wife were actually, uh, th- their sentences were commuted to life imprisonment and they were then released a little while later, you know, sometime later, and allowed to return to their estates, where you know they had to stay in the states and yeah, you know, like under house arrest. But a better fate than what the
0: commoners suffered.
1: A lot better fate, yes, mm, absolutely. Yeah. But if you like, I mean, the stories of Esme Stewart and of Robert Carr, in my view, show that he had you know what the police called form in this area. Yeah, he? He a, quite a track record of uh, yeah, no, it's like, it, like it, it does highly dubious. It,
0: it does seem almost. It seems like there is a lot of consensus on on James specifically. Uh, it seems yes, hard I to deny so. that he that he, he 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 was gay. But I mean, this is a thing when I try to look into the more general topic of gayness in history. Uh, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those. I remember you blowing my mind when I was a little kid, and I try to ask you, well, what was there before the Big Bang? And the most annoying answer to that that question is always, well, you're asking the wrong question because before implies time, and if time yes. Was created in the Big Bang. There's no such thing as before the Big Bang because time is part of the Big Bang. You know, like the point being, gayness as a concept is a very modern one, and it seems almost impossible to use our modern measuring yard, as it were, to understand people's sexuality in the past. Like you know, to your understanding, what what figures are certainly gay in history? Or I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot to pick from, obviously. But which, which names come to your mind?
1: Well, I mean, the, numbers, the names that come to my mind immediately, I, I don't know to what extent it's been proved that they are, but they're people like Michelangelo yeah. and uh, uh, Shakespeare and uh, uh, James. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, who are you think. Oh, there's, of there's so many,
0: aren't there? I mean, one of the big ones there's Alexander the Great, uh, oh, yeah. who actually yeah. is quite peculiar. Because, yeah, we always talk, people often will talk about how the Greeks were perfectly happy with being gay or what have you but it's much more it's always much more complicated this kind of thing it's nothing like our current understanding of gayness it seems quite um structured really the idea that there's an older man uh with a younger lover there's these words erastes and eromenos. Eromenos being the the loved one erastes being the lover who's older yeah because you know yeah going back to yeah, alexander the great he stood out because uh he would actually have relationships with mature men, not not this sort of idealized older lover with a younger loved one, uh, very much more like a sort of modern perception of a, a gay man's life. And so the, he stood up because he wasn't following this sort of socially prescribed version of a gay relationship, which is just to say that I, what I'm trying to say is that yeah, we, we, when we talk about ancient Greek you know, gayness, it's not that, there's nothing like modern day homosexuality. And it's quite formulaic, and they, you know, it, it's separate as it were from heterosexual relationships, which were, you know, the the necessary marriages for the you know, population to continue. But they, they even talk about some Greek places, you, you know, almost utilizing gayness as a form of population control. Like, you know, we don't need too many more mouths to feed. Have you ever heard of the Sacred Band of Thebes?
1: Oh yes, yeah. the the hundred warriors, or. 100 couples. Yeah, 100 couples. 50 yeah, couples or 100 couples. 100 yeah. uh,
0: gay couples who, you know, it was a small unit, but apparently you know, dev- extremely effective in battle and took down the Spartans. You know, this is 400 yeah. years before Christ. Of course, in the Roman period, we've got Hadrian, possibly one of the most famous Roman emperors, Yeah. who seemed to be desperately in love with a young Egyptian boy called Antinous. You mentioned Shakespeare, you know, perhaps one of his most famous sonnets, the Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day? that's part of the majority of the sonnets There's like 120 something of them which are all directed towards a fair youth the man and again above all of these well not all of them like hadrian not so much but shakespeare there's a lot of debate if he actually was gay or just you know waxing lyrical about the you know beauty of masculine youth or what have you but there seems to be a lot more fluidity you know there was a lot more like, you know, we talk about, you talk about uh, Michelangelo or Caravaggio is another ex- good example, but they also had female lovers. You know, when I remember reading Ron Chernow's uh, biography of Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, this is the biography that inspired Lynn Manuel Miranda to write the musical. He, he yeah. himself speculates whether maybe Hamilton had been lovers with uh, John Lawrence. But again, it's about these very flowery letters where he writes to. This man and says, you know, I I hope that through you know through my acts I can prove to you how much I love you, which to our ears sounds like a declaration of love. But you know, they have these people saying that actually no, that's just how men wrote to each other back then. Yeah, I mean that we just
1: can't tell, can we? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, until you know, maybe some evidence will appear. But obviously, if, I I assume that if there were a gay relationship between some of those guys who wrote to each other in those terms. Uh, they would have hidden their tracks very carefully because you know even before, uh, in England, the Labouchere Amendment made all homosexuality illegal. Uh, even before it was always looked down on and you know uh, not something that you were proud of, not something that you admitted to. You know, it was happening all the time in the public schools, of course. Oh
0: yeah, no, I mean that is the funny thing. It's obviously been throughout history, and really what we're discussing is more societies or cultures' reaction to. Homosexuality, yes. as opposed to uh, individual—I uh, mean, like—I I could I well, one thing I can sense looking at back in history is that uh, maybe our current perception is perhaps a little bit too rigid. Uh, I mean, we do have, we do talk about there being a gradation and people you know, being on a range of sexuality range and stuff, but still, there is a general sense of you know, especially with men, if you act, if you commit a homosexual act, you're almost certainly gay. Whereas back yes. in the days, I mean, you look at talking about, I was talking about the Romans earlier. It seemed to be like completely fine. You could have, well, again, it was funny. It's fine so long as you're the top, so long as you're the active one. Uh, what was considered shameful was to be the passive, the receiver, the the the, the feminine. Yeah. It just goes to show, yes. in the end, it's not, it's, it's, it's yeah, even homophobia can't really hold a candle to just good old classic misogyny.
1: Yes, yes. No, I, I mean, I, I think the Greeks, at least, I don't know if it's true of the Romans as well. Regarded that uh, love of a mo- another man, a man's love for another man, as being the noble form of love.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but you know there would then be love with a woman, <coughs> uh, uh, if only to to procreate, uh, maintain the yes, to, absolutely to maintain the species, and you know, there would be love there. I mean, not you know, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, uh, 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 you know, uh, an insincere thing. They were, it wasn't emotion free. On the contrary, of course not. Yeah. Uh, you know, there they could be genuine love there and of course uh, they also had uh, what they called hetirers. um they you know these were you know, in effect prostitutes but they were also probably the most learned of women uh, you know it wasn't appropriate for a woman yeah, they were also to be in company society.
0: not just uh, yes absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and i
1: think women the kind of women who were supposed to become wives and mothers of families uh, didn't get anything like that. Or, or on the whole, I'm sure there were exceptions, but on the whole did not get a very high level of education. But I think some of the uh, women uh, courtesans, let's call them that, I think that's probably a, a better description of them. They were educated or they educated themselves. Uh, so, you know, yeah, if you wanted a conversation... You were probably better off with one of them, right? Yeah, uh, but I mean, I imagine you know the thing that you really wanted was you know the sixty-year-old pretty boy. Although you know, to be frank, uh, I suspect again, if you wanted a intelligent conversation, you'd probably get more out of a thirty-year-old Hitaira than yes, a sixty-year-old yeah. boy.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the clear the clear thing though is that certainly the this ambiguity or this. Uh, flexibility with regards to sexuality certainly died a death under the abrahamic faiths you know it seems that even under the roman empire as soon as they went christian they got a lot more serious about it and yeah even going back to james what he was extremely strict about it uh yeah i found a quote where he was saying that sodomy is among those horrible crimes which you are bound in conscious never to forgive yes uh and just, yeah, so he's part of a long, long line of deeply homophobic gay men in power. Yes. Which we still see today, especially in the more evangelical parts of the United States. Yes. Um, and did you see this quote by Jeremy Bentham about James's sexuality? No, no, what did he say? Uh, Jeremy Bentham, he's writing a couple of centuries later, he says, James I, if he be the author of that first article of the works which bear his name and which indeed were owned by him, Reckons this practice among the few offences which no sovereign ever ought to pardon. Yes, yeah, so he's talking about homosexuality, well, sodomy specifically. Yeah. But later he goes on, this must seem rather extraordinary to those who have a notion that a pardon in this case is what he himself, had he been a subject, might have stood in need of. Yes, basically just calling him out as being a hypocrite.
1: Bentham was a, <laughs> a smart cookie.
0: Yes. <laughs> so we have James, obviously entitled, fancied himself an intellectual, a bit useless politically, uh, something of a hypocrite when it comes to his personal life. And he dies...
1: I was going to say 1625. I think it was 1625, but I'll just check. Hang on. Um,
0: Yeah, 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 let's have a quick check.
1: Yes, he died in... Yeah, 1625, yes. I'm
0: very impressed. So this means that in the next episode, we'll have to move on to the subject of Charles... Charles's reign. Uh, Who wasn't a he... subject. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, can you give us a sneak preview? Was he a, was he an excellent monarch?
1: Uh, <clears throat> yes. Um, I I mean, you know, I, I have to confess to a certain bias here. I, I regard him <laughs> as
0: you know, one of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something to look forward to then. So, uh, On that note, I'll say to our listeners, please, by all means, uh, send us uh, a message to who the hell is Norfolk at gmail.com? Uh, we'd love to get any questions, suggestions, or what have you. And I'll say until then, uh, see you all next time.
1: Goodbye. Thank you for listening.